Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, you already know you're in the right place. Today's buzz, dollars and censors. What did she say? We usually say dollars and cents. Well, I'm changing that last word to censors. Think Internet of Things. Let me get started. In industries ranging from utilities to manufacturing to oil and gas, sensor se- sensor-based data is now supporting critical business decisions. You already know this, but it's growing. It's getting more and more important. However, while many businesses and many industries recognize the value of combining their operational data with their business data, there are differences in the function, in the technology stacks, and cultures that have raised barriers to the convergence of all of this important information. We are seeing these tech barriers fall. And guess what? The sunlight is coming through. The clouds are breaking apart. No, no pun intended on cloud. We are discovering new opportunities in these industries for integrating what we'll call mission critical operational data, business tools, and sensor-based data to create new and exciting intelligence and ways to drive performance. So in other words, it's all coming together. It's exciting. It's new. And the question is, how is this impacting your industry, your company, and what are you going to do about it? So our topic today is reimagining the industrial Internet of Things, looking at an entire range of industries all across the world because that's where our audience is. I have three experts who are going to help us figure this out. First up, I'm going to be welcoming in just a moment Alon Cantor, who's the Vice President of Business Development at a company called Checkpoint, and he's calling in from Tel Aviv, Israel today. He's going to be joined on the panel by Martin Otterson, O-T-T-E-R-S-O-N, Senior VP of Sales Marketing and Industry, there's an industry word, at OZSoft, O-S-I-S-O-F-T, and rounding out our panel is Bala Ram, R-A-M, Vice President at SAP Labs in California. And that's our panel, so let's get started. Alon Cantor has sent me not really a quote, but a title, a title of a paper written for the, get this, Terrorism Research Center all the way back in 1996. My calculator tells me that is 20 years ago. The paper was written by Matthew G. DeVost, D-E-V-O-S-T, who is a a senior analyst in Security Design International, Brian K. Houghton, a fellow, a doctoral fellow at RAND Corporation, and Neil Pollard, Director of Research and Analytics at Hicks and Associates. The paper is talking about acts of political violence using computer terrorism, and there's a whole interesting thing. If you Google this, you can find it and download the paper. The title of the paper and the quote Alon has sent us today is, Can You Trust Your Toaster? Pure and simple. I don't know. I haven't used my toaster in a while. I'm out of bagels. (laughs) Alon Cantor, welcome to the show. How are you, Alon? Shalom. Hi, Shalom. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, we're delighted. Talk to me about this quote. Fascinating. Do you have the paper, by the way? Have you seen it? Um, yeah, but actually I've uh, came across it uh, through a hearing uh, a former deputy director of the FBI saying that uh, if we knew what he knows, we wouldn't trust our toaster. 
obviously <laughs> referring to this uh, uh, paper. And uh, over the last 20 years, I think that uh, reality has uh, caught up with, the, with this article. And today, toasters and mostly any other device out there is uh, uh, connected somehow to the Internet or to, to something else. And um, this brings a lot of value, a lot of new things that we didn't even imagine that uh, are possible, but also a lot of risk and uh, vulnerabilities that come with those uh, devices. And uh, obviously some of those uh, uh, vulnerabilities and risks are already being uh, used by uh, different players in the, in the, the hacking worlds. Very interesting, Ella. I want to ask you to please relate this to our topic. We're talking about we're talking about good things, opportunities, possibilities, growth, what we'll call novel intelligence. How can all of this sensor-based data help industries across the board? So, any quick thoughts on on how should industries be very careful with this sensor-based data? What should they be looking at? Just get your point of view on this. Yeah, so our expertise is security, and uh, we try to look at, uh, uh, at the risk and uh, what can be done if not used correctly, how can it be used for, uh, for malicious uh, activities, and how can we secure uh, each such device or each such Internet of Things, industrial uh, devices, how can we secure them? And uh, I think that everything should start with the design and the implementation. And uh, developers of uh, such devices should be aware of security implications and should uh, design and implement it in a secure way. Uh, so with this opportunity, it is critical to think about security and not only about the, the application or the feature that is being developed. Thank you. Very, very wise to take that point of view. So with opportunity comes risk, and I think anybody who does not realize that, does not accept that, is literally hiding in the sand, and, and uh, they'll find out sooner or later. It's a big, bad world out there. Thank you very much, Alon. Again, welcome to the show. And what you just said, Alon, is a perfect segue for me to introduce my next guest, who has sent us a quote, interestingly enough, along the same exact lines. This is everybody who's listening. This is not the doom and gloom IoT show or IIoT show, but we certainly are adding some cautions here. I'm pleased now to welcome Martin Otterson, Senior VP of Sales Marketing and Industry at OZSoft. Again, it's capital O-S-I and then the word soft and lower case. And Martin has sent me a quote from Andrew McAfee. Before I tell you the quote, McAfee is the original name, full name, Andrew Paul McAfee. He's still around, born in 1967. He's a young one. He's a co-director of the MIT Initiative on the Digital Economy and associate director for the Center for Digital Business at the MIT Sloan School of Management. And uh, McAfee's research investigates how IT changes the way companies perform how they organize themselves, how they compete, and at a higher level, how computerization affects competition, society, the economy, and the workforce. I think that says it all. McAfee is the author of Enterprise 2.0, published way back in 2009, and co-author of Race Against the Machine. And that book was expanded into the book The Second Machine Age. He's widely known as a writer and speaker. Here's a quote from McAfee that Martin Otterson has selected. And I quote Andrew McAfee. The world is one big data problem. 
Martin Otterson. I'm not sure if it's one big data problem or one big data problem. Welcome, Martin. Mm-hmm. What do you think the quote is saying? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Um, <laughs> Pleasure. Glad to be here. And I think, you know, big, big is the, the, the opportunity. And, um, you know, when we look at data, uh, it happens, it's created, and then you have to use it. And, you know, if you're thinking about industrial IT, uh, it's the creation of that and lighting up more data and I think the access to it that we're limiting and that's what we're shining the light on. So talk to me about about uh, opportunity. I want to hear the good stuff because if the world is one big data problem and there's it's a good problem, right? There's so much opportunity out there. What's your thought? Is this a worrisome problem? Is this something that's doable? Are industries already aware of this opportunity and how they have to start putting all of the data together, the operational, the business, the intelligence, and making something better? What do you think the awareness level is, Martin? Yeah, as our first uh, guest, I guess he really shared the um, risk aspect. But if to drive that risk, there's got to be a huge opportunity. And that opportunity lies in in really, I think, in a number of areas. You know, in, by 2020, I think the industrial arena will have the number one energy consumption um, industry. So how do we take advantage to reduce that? You're going to have to measure, monitor, and take action. In addition, with that uh, industrial age, we're, we're continually trying to modify and change our business models. So if you create a truck today, maybe you do not just sell the truck, you actually sell the right to use the truck. And to do that, you're going to need digital information to change that business model, to engage your customer, to build a better relationship uh, as we see these new services being come through. And then the last piece, I think, that when we think of industrial age is, is this digital community. And that really plays to the cultural aspect that you had mentioned before, the OTIT. It's truly not a technology problem there. It is truly a cultural issue around people that run the business and people that support the business. How do these two people get together to change the business and make it more profitable and find new opportunities? So I, 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 see, I see it as very, very exciting. It is very exciting, and I want to make sure our listeners know that we're going to be talking mostly about the exciting part, but also with a little bit of the reality check blended in. Martin, a real pleasure, and a shout-out to, I believe her name is Lynn, at your company, who helped us engage with you and, and get all of your information for the show. So hello to Lynn. And now let's welcome our third panelist. He is Bala Ram. B-A-L-A is his first name, and R-A-M is his second name, and he's a vice president at SAP Labs. And Bala has sent us a quote from William Grovesner Pollard, who lived from 1911 to 1989. If you've never heard of him, this man had a very interesting choice of life. He was a physicist as well as an ordained Episcopal priest who started out as a professor of physics at the University of Tennessee back in 1936. And interestingly, those of you who are old enough to remember Oak Ridge Nuclear Studies, uh, William Pollard in 1946 championed the organization of the Oak Ridge Institute of Nuclear Studies, ORINS, and served as its executive director until 1974. So he was a, I would say, a visionary. Uh, He was a forward-looking person. He certainly had all kinds of interesting perspectives on where the world should go. He co-authored and authored many pieces of writing, uh, books, etc., chapters and articles on Christianity and science and religion. And here's what's interesting is that Pollard was sometimes referred to as the atomic deacon. That really packs a wallop. So here's the quote Bala has selected from Pollard. I quote, without change, there is no innovation, 
creativity, or incentive for improvement. Those who initiate change will have a better opportunity to manage the change that is inevitable. Balaram, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I love the quote, and I'm so intrigued that this man was a or an ordained priest as well as a physicist. I would never think of those two going together in one person's lifetime or career. Atomic Deacon, did you know that was his nickname, Bala? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So talk to me about the quote. How does it relate to our topic? We're talking about opportunities and a little bit about the risks in the industrial Internet of Things today. Sure, definitely. Thanks, Bonnie. So, even though the quote is more than 100 years old, but how relevant it is in this day and age of Internet of Things? Now, if you look at the companies who are really successful in the last 100 years or even beyond, uh, they all, the ones who adapted to the change, they initiated the change, they embraced the new technologies, and uh, they leveraged the opportunities and changed the entire business process, reimagined their companies, and created the business, new new business opportunities. And they are the successful companies in the last 100 years. And if you pick any sector, whether it's manufacturing or print media or um, healthcare, all these companies stand out. They innovated. And without change, there is no innovation. And there needs to be some kind of a leadership and initiation, uh, initiative to move towards that kind of a innovation with a change in mind. So this is an interesting quote. And uh, how relevant it is today, there's so many technological advancements going on, whether it's uh, getting data from the sensors and a big data problem, uh, getting a lot of interesting opportunities. Sensors have been there for many years, but right now the opportunity is how do you leverage the sensor data along with the enterprise data that we already have in many companies and how to make use of both sets of data and create the interesting opportunities, solving the business problems that companies face today and maybe the problems that they will anticipate in the next five, ten years, how well this data will prepare them to face those challenges and be in a competitive uh, position to face the competitions and differentiate themselves. Interesting opportunities, you pick any sector, whether it's a manufacturing or it's a, uh, consumer products, pick any sector, there are interesting opportunities emerge and this is an exciting time. Thank you very much, Bala. Do you think that industries today, industry leaders all over the world, are aware of the opportunities? I think I asked our first panelist the same question, uh, Alon Cantor. Do you think that they are sitting on the sidelines in any particular industry? I'm not going to ask you to do any finger pointing, but do you observe any particular industry is, I'll say, staying back as an observer and saying, I don't know, that censored data sounds great, but we're going to have to hire data scientists, we're going to have to protect our devices, we're going to have to sift through gazillions of terabytes to figure what's valuable and what do we need and what are we going to do with it and all the analytics. Let's just see what happens to our competitors. Is anybody saying that scenario, Bala? Uh, I, I have some mixed feelings on this one. So first of all, across multiple sectors, whether as I said, whether it's in manufacturing or energy and natural resources, healthcare. Um, there is a bigger awareness right now that you know, we must use the sensor data uh, to create new business opportunities and then uh, solve the existing problems. There is a mindset, there is an awareness, there is an uh, inclination to move forward in this direction. So I don't think that companies are 
um, sitting on the fence and say whether we can jump onto that or not. They know the opportunities. They know this is something that they need to move forward and do it. Now, the uh, the challenge is sometimes, you know, how fast that we need to embrace this kind of a challenge and uh, when to move forward, what specific area that we need to uh, start the journey and whether we need to have bigger vision first or can we just start with a smaller project and based on the success, can we expand to the adjacency? Depending upon the industries and the customers and their business problems, you may face a different variation of uh, their journey. But the journey is obvious. Uh, they always decide to take the journey, but the small steps or they need to have a bigger vision to continue the journey uh, uh, is somewhat different from uh, customer to customer or companies to companies or uh, you know, industry to industry. You, you can think about it. But overall, I would say manufacturing, um, railroad, or you would say uh, consumer products. I could also say the ma- energy and natural resources uh, uh, industry. Healthcare. Healthcare is a very important sector. In fact, a lot of innovations going on um, with uh, uh, patient care and, uh, and uh, or even a specialized medicine. There's a ton of uh, innovations going on based on the sensor data that was never been possible before. Thank you very much, Bala. Good overview, and thank you to our three panelists for introducing the topic so well. We've certainly already covered a wide breadth and birth of aspects of this topic. Now it's time for us to get personal just a little bit and find out more about who our panelists are in their real lives, not just as thought leaders here on Game Changers Radio. So I'm going to move around the table back to our starting speaker, Alon Cantor. Alon, I know you're calling us from Tel Aviv, Israel today. Why don't you tell us um, what time is it? Because I don't have my time converter up here on my screen. And what are you drinking right now if it's interesting? And if it's not, what are you planning to drink later today? Alon, please. Okay, so it's uh, it's 5 p.m., 5.20 p.m., um, end of the day, of the end of the week, actually, for us, because uh, in Israel we work Sunday to uh, Thursday, and mm-hmm. our weekend is Friday and Saturday. And I have a cup of espresso here on my desk. I'm an espresso drinker. I drink it uh, as is. No, no uh, sugar, no milk. Um, and at home, I drink it as an espresso. I find it very easy to to, to operate, and uh, same result every time. Which uh, I like the the prediction uh, of the same coffee uh, every time I drink it. I agree with you. I think you said you have an espresso. I've got an espresso, my Nespresso machine. Mine is red. What color is yours? Mine is red as well. <laughs> I knew I liked you. Now tell me something. Is there a particular flavor to the espresso you're drinking? Because I know there are about a dozen different flavors. There's Stormio and there's Thisio and Thatio. So is there a particular uh, espresso flavor that you're drinking today? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I'm uh, fond of uh, uh, Ristretto, which is uh, intensity level 10. Uh, I find it to be the right uh, intensity uh, for me. Wow, I like that, like a man who likes strong coffee. Thank you very much, Alon, and welcome, and uh, thanks for sharing your afternoon with us. Martin Otterson at OZSoft, where are you right now, Martin? What time is it, and what's in your cup, or what are you thinking about drinking later? Uh, I guess I get to tell you twice. Uh, one is at seven twenty in the morning, so a double espresso, no milk, no sugar, easy, just uh, easy and clear there. And then 
this evening, I, you know, I like something called a gin tonic with Hendrix. And I don't know if you, you drink Hendrix, but with that, you should do a cucumber. And a lot of people freak out, but some pepper in there. But one thing you should mind, be mindful of that pepper, if you're in a social event, gets stuck in your teeth, and so you need to clean your teeth. <laughs> that is, you know what's so funny about that, Martin? And I'm not laughing at the drink. We had a guest on a show last week who talked about gin and tonic. I didn't mention Hendrix, but mentioned that there is a recipe where you shave a very thin, long slice of cucumber, and you curl it around and put it into the glass. And when the gin and tonic is almost done, you, you pull out this cucumber, and it is infused with, with whatever flavor is from the gin and tonic, and it's like having a little appetizer. Is that what you're talking about, too? Exactly. Exactly. And you can use the cucumber to clean your teeth. But... <laughs> Well, what's interesting is that you and Alon both like good, strong coffee. He was saying that his his uh, strength level is 10. I have to put that down in my notes. That's very cool. Uh, yes, so you're both very serious, and I know you're very serious about this topic as well. So that's why we wanted to learn a little bit about you. Thank you very much, Martin. Wait for the gin and tonic if it's only 7.20 there. We'll give you have a little bit more time. Balaram, <laughs> where are you? Minutes, huh? yeah. <laughs> Wait till the show is over, please. Balaram, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking today? Um, I'm at SAP Palo Alto. It's around 7.20 here as well. And I'm drinking the best drink in the world existed, existed from the beginning of the world, water. Always good for health. Now, tell me something. Is this water from the tap? Is it from a bottle? Is it still water? We have a lot of European panelists who talk about still water. We've had two of them talk about that this week. Is it fizzy water? Uh, is it flavored water? Is it water with vitamins? And is it water with uh, smart water? What kind of water? It's a regular water. We have. We always have purified water at safety locations uh, um, everywhere, and um, normally that's that's my morning drink, sometimes hot water, sometimes regular water. Uh, that, that gets my day going, and it's good for health. I think that's a very good idea. Bala, I'm with you today. By the way, they don't allow me to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. <laughs> and, and Tuesdays and Thursdays are doubleheaders. We have two live shows Tuesdays, and we have another one after this at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So all I'm allowed to drink... Well, they really wouldn't know because it's radio, but I'm pretty honest about this. All I'm allowed to drink is cool, clear water in a cool, clear cup. And today I have a yellow straw because I'm delighted that it's so sunny and blue, clear skies here on the North Shore of Long Island in New York. Yes, yes, it's a good day. You know what? They keep threatening thunderstorms and all kinds of Mm. stuff. We haven't had any all week. I want to know. These meteorologists, whoever they are, if you're a meteorologist out there, email me at bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. How do you get paid to be wrong all the time? I don't know. I just would <laughs> like to The rest of us don't get away with that. Anyway, we have a very interesting panel. We're speaking today with Alan Cantor calling from Tel Aviv at Checkpoint. Martin Otterson at Soft. He told me that if I say OSI Soft, that's the European way. So it's OZ OSI Soft and Balaram at SAP. Shout out to Ira. Burke, who's the sponsor of this series. We are live. It is Thursday, June 30th. That means first half is over when the clock strikes midnight here in New York on the East Coast tonight. And for those of you around the world, it may already be over. So we're entering after this evening, we're entering the second half of the year. Where is 2016 going? But I know we're going. We're going to take a quick break. So don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial. We will be right back. Justin out. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're back with a very interesting panel of experts. We're talking about Industrial Internet of Things, abbreviated to IIoT. If you haven't added that to your list of things, to alphabet soup to remember, we're speaking with Alon Cantor at Checkpoint. Two words is his company. Martin Otterson at OZSoft and Balaram at SAP. We're talking today, basically, we started out talking about opportunities for you to take your operational business data and combine it with sensor-generated data, all kinds of great intelligence rolling around there, and make this all mission critical and come up with new ways to drive performance and novel intelligence and innovations abounding in any industry around the world. But we're veering into a discussion somehow of the dangers and the risks of sensors, which is part of the reality check of the sensor-based intelligence that is what produced is produced by the IoT and the IIoT. So I think we're going to continue along that theme because that seems to be where our panelists are, their heads are right now. But we will keep on a broad topic as we progress here on the show. So Alon Cantor is going to start the roundtable. I'm going to read a couple of notes from the list he sent me before the show, and let's see where this takes. Uh, Alon, let's just keep this very generic because our audience is all over the world, and uh, we just want to give them a heads up as to what's important. So you say security for IoT should be provided by vendors as an integral part of the IoT device. So let's just start with that. What's your thought on that? And then we will invite your co-panelists, Martin and Bala, to chime in. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that uh, the, the industrial Internet of Things, uh, the, all the, the devices and all the products that are being sold must have the security built into the the initial uh, delivery of the product, it must be part of the design, part of the implementation, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, the reason is that the customer in the industrial world, definitely, they, they have a lot of work to do, and they buy and they deploy such uh, industrial devices in order to do uh, work and to do what they're supposed to do. And those customers, they don't have the expertise and they don't have the ability to add security as an additional uh, uh, layer. So some of the things like network security should be deployed uh, by the customer and it provides another layer. In some cases, uh, 
there are inherent security considerations that uh, only the vendor who develops the, the device is the only uh, one who can add the security to it. Um, just uh, by, by coincidence, I had yesterday a meeting with a startup company here in Tel Aviv who is developing medical devices. They are developing a, a very sophisticated, high-end, re- revolutionary uh, medical implant that is uh, doing some stuff with the heart, monitoring the heart, and uh, can fix some, some issues with the heart. And uh, this uh, implant, which is uh, deployed inside the body, actually, uh, next to the heart, uh, in a very simple uh, operation, it has the ability to communicate with an external, uh, actually with a smartphone, and send the monitoring information to the smartphone and send this information to the doctor, or to the clinic. And if needed, it has the ability to receive a special signal that will cause it to, to, to reset the heart, in a sense, to, to send some pulses into the heart. And uh, so this is amazing stuff, uh, very interesting uh, application, uh, medical uh, revolution that helps a lot of people. But with that comes the, the risk. And um, just think about that there's a single command, uh, command which can be sent to this device and it will cause it uh, to, uh, to do something to the body. Uh, in this case, it could be fatal. So uh, the, they, they are obviously concerned about the power that they have and about uh, and the, alongside with the development and the design of the the functionality and the device that they do, they came to me and to a checkpoint and realizing that uh, um, they need to think about security and they need to think of uh, the implications and to think about this very uh, heavily because of the the huge risk in this case. It's uh, it's actually a matter of life. So Thank this is uh, just an example mm-hmm. again from from yesterday about the the and about the risk and about the, only the this vendor they they are the only ones who can actually secure the the communication between the implant and the smartphone mm-hmm. and from the smartphone to the clinic etc. Thank you, Alon. Very interesting and, and always good to have a, a timely and real and very current case study. Martin Otterson, what do you see on the topic that Alon has started? We'll get to your topics in a few minutes. Thoughts, please, Martin? Yeah, I think, I think he brings up the good point um, from device to um, data set to cloud to analytics. Um, I think the key thing, though, that we've got to think about is if you've got a Fitbit or that heart monitor, maybe you've got some issues, each one of those become their own silos a lot of times. Because how do you take your Fitbit, match it with your uh, heart rate monitoring? How do you take these specific devices and applications and create a real infrastructure? For example, in the industrial space, if you're looking at vibration monitoring and you're only looking at one piece of equipment in the overall process, you're missing what may be happening upstream or downstream to affect that vibration problem. So we need to really be thinking about IoT as the industrial space has been for quite some time along this whole process. You have to bring everything together 
so they can understand how that piece of equipment, that process is acting within the overall process. So I think that's a key learning aspect that from the industrial side, they've been doing quite a long time. And now it's being taking that industry expertise, uh, let's say a mechanical, a chemical, electrical engineer that's, that's running some sort of facility in manufacturing or, or process control, and then how does IT play to help bring up that operational data and mix it together for this transformational topic? Thank you, Martin. Very interesting. Good perspective. I'm glad you rounded that out. Balaram at SAP, love to have your point of view on this. Where do you sit on this, this issue or this part of our topic? Bala? It's, it's an important uh, topic, and uh, uh, <clears throat> both panelists, Martin and Adam, brought up the very good issues here and then how uh, the industry is uh, evolving in the space. Uh, in my view, um, the security is always, I mean, it's not just because of IoT or uh, because of big data or Internet of Things, any of those stuff, security is the paramount. It's always important. When you go to the software industry, anything that you start with has to be you know, uh, highly secure. The data privacy laws and all the stuff in place in different um, uh, regional areas and the government uh, entities uh, mandating the security procedures, always the bar is uh, every day is uh, going to be raised high, high, high. So how... Uh, from the sensor perspective, whether it's the healthcare or a different industry, um, I don't talk about the healthcare part of it. I have to control a device, and that's going to impact the patient. Now, the, the heart monitoring, if you were to change something, it may even potentially be vital. Um, it, will, um, it, will, it, can, it, will, it can potentially cause some problems for the patient, and it could be a very big issue unless it's completely secure. So to me, the point is even higher than that. For example, you need to figure out you know, who does it. There needs to be some kind of an access control, a role management in the enterprise uh, applications and IT infrastructure. Who controls the device and who accesses this uh, uh, device at what physical location? That also brings in the physical access security in place. So security is not just device alone tied into the application, not with the application alone, tied with the users who access the application, not with users alone. The users and the other people who access the facility at what point, how it's secured. So it touches upon various aspects, and it, it has to be like a holistic security model for any effort, whether it's IAOT or big data or digital transformation. Anything we talk about it, it has to be highly secure, touching upon all the key pillars of security. Thank you, Bala. Good points. Alon, I'm going to circle back to you and ask you to briefly comment. Do you have anything you want to add to what your co-panelists have said that expanded your topic? Alon, are you still with us? Yeah, I am. Could you... uh... Yes, I just want to know if you, sure, sure, sure. I wanted to know if you have any comments on what Martin and Bala have added to your topic before we move on. Um, no, I uh, insightful to, to hear. Um, no. Okay, thank you very much, Martin Otterson at OZSoft. I'm looking at your notes here, and I think we'll do a little bit of level setting, going back to the opportunities part of the topic when I started the show. Let me just read from a couple of your notes, Martin, then I'll let you attack it any way you want. You say, first of all, industrial IoT is going to fundamentally change business data is your most valuable resource, and that's number one. Then you say, industrial IoT 
technically isn't new. What's new is that we're using this data more than we ever had. And you have an interesting statistic here. IDC and Gartner estimate that 80% of digital data is dark, meaning not easily accessible or used. So Martin, why don't you do a little bit of a broad level set for us on what we're really talking about here. We've had a good introduction from Alon about sensors and security and and, uh, risk. So let's talk about the big picture of opportunity now. Martin? Yeah, I think the opportunity comes with awareness. So if, if this has been happening for quite some time, you know, if you think of a traditional manufacturer and, you know, kind of back to my quote as the machine age of 2.0, the manufacturing industrial revolution came from someone standing at the machine, having manual input to it. And then sooner or later, it started to get digitized. It started to give you um, data that would feed off of your control systems, your PLCs, your, which is a program logical control, a, a DCS distributed control system, or a supervisory control like a SCADA. These systems then are meant for control. And so as our first guest, Alanda, mentioned about the heart monitoring, these, these systems are meant for controlling temperature, um, closing valves, opening valves, very similar to what you explained on the, on the heart monitoring. But these are fundamentally happening day in and day out in our manufacturing world. What then came about in the 1980s to 90s was the ability to then collect this data and do analysis on it. And one thing that we now see is this, this basically the hype or the megatrend around IoT or IIoT, the Industrial Internet of Things, really puts a spotlight and helps us understand that you know, those, those control systems that I mentioned have that um, ability, but there still is, as, as we looked at, 80% of dark data not being used. And so what's really nice about this hype, um, that you can shine a light on something, that technology now is trying to go unlock that 80%. How do we go get that data in an easy-to-use format that allows us to then both collect, visualize, and then ultimately take things into action when you marry it with, let's say, financial data. So, you know, some of the big concepts that, that are happening, though, is that, we're, you know, these data streams, let's say that vibration problem I talked about, 400,000 events per second from different types of control systems and or sensors out there. So it's volume of data that's coming in, being able to store it, look at it long-term, but then mix it and prepare it to integrate it with the other pieces of your system. And I, I would lastly point out that I agree security is a key piece of this. Um, and then you need to really understand how this IoT uh, opening or enlightenment helps you really build out an architecture that's secure, reliable, and you need to then ultimately build that cultural aspect. How do I build a culture that changes and breaks down the barrier of our departments, not just the technology? Thank you, Martin. Really good overview. Appreciate that. Balaram, I know you have a lot to say on this. Thoughts, thoughts about dark data, about unlocking it, about this mega trend of where the industrial Internet of Things is heading or should be headed. Thoughts, Bala, please? Yeah, yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, so I would add to uh, Martin's point, a very good uh, overview. I think in good thought and good, um, good, uh, good, good presentation by Martin on this one. But my point in this one is... Uh, when you try to marry the industry of uh, device data, the IoT data with enterprise data, whether it's a financial application data or you talk about the manufacturing maintenance record, etc., it creates an interesting opportunities for different 
scenarios that never been addressed before. And some of those things that we never even thought about it. For example, let's take even a manufacturing plant. And there are many safety violations that happen. And, you know, this is an age-old problem even 30, 40 years back. You take uh, an old PLC machine with uh, uh, guards on it, and people have to put some material component, close the guard, and let the machine run their, run their job. There are many safety violations, and it causes a personal injury. And the companies have not been able to figure out, oh, how do you prevent that one? I keep educating the operators, say, this is how it has to be done. Now, what happens with the sensor data coming in? Can you easily figure out where exactly that violations happen? And then train the uh, operators well in advance. Hey, these are all the violations that will cause a personal injury to you. Now, in the last one month, these are all the violations happened in your plant, in your machine. If it continues like this, it is, it is, it is the company's loss of reputation, but that's a secondary, but it is your personal injury. It's just from the education point of view, it's very, very important. So like that, if we, if we take even the uh, energy and natural resources industry, utilities companies doing load forecasting, etc., that, that was there before. But try to take that one and see how you plan the capacity. Why want to build a new power plant? And can I go for a conventional power plant or can I use the renewable energies like solar panels, wind farm? And how, it, how to make the business decisions in this area and whether, the, whether I can recover the cost in a timely manner. All these decisions have to take instantaneously. It's not like they can wait for another five years to make the decision because the market is moving fast. So the, the device data, marrying that one with enterprise data and figure out what interesting opportunity is going to open up is key. And this is what is going to transform the industry uh, um, in future. And for that one to happen, like Martin mentioned, you to have a really good platform with the capabilities, uh, companies who look for the platform with the capabilities to analyze both IT data from the enterprise systems and operational data and take the meaningful actions um, for their business. And this kind of an architectural uh, the entire, uh, the platform with the conference is what is going to play a major role in future, uh, in future years. Thank you, Bala. Very interesting, and I'd love to circle back to Alon Cantor at Checkpoint. Alon, love your thoughts on what we have heard from Martin, and Bala has so eloquently expanded. Go ahead, Alon. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with both Martin and Bala. I think that it is a data game, and uh, as much data as uh, can be extracted from the industrial uh, devices and uh, be used in order to create more value, more efficiency, and better performance. This is uh, anyone who will be able to to deliver on this promise uh, will bring great value and uh, a lot of benefits to to everyone. And uh, we already see this uh, trend, and uh, I know that we are working with... uh, uh, several companies that are developing the platforms uh, that enable the devices to be uh, connected in one hand and uh, all the data to be uh, shared uh, either for specific customer across uh, devices and across uh, plants or across uh, customers and provide a global view of uh, operational and the efficiency of uh, industrial devices. And uh, there's a lot of uh, value over there. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Martin, I'm going to give you a chance to wrap this one up before I go to a topic from Bala's list. Martin, anything you want to comment, agree, disagree with that your co-panelists have mentioned? No, I think I think um, I agree with it all. I think that you know, if I were to give someone a recipe for success, it's it's really going out and finding that opportunity. And there's so many already happening. Versus, you know, a lot of the promise of big data is throw it all up in the cloud and then something will happen. And I think what we really have an opportunity, specifically in the industrial and and power utilities market, is utilizing the context of that data all the way up before it gets in the cloud, so you can take things to action. And that's really where you, that hard complexity of taking this data and, and massaging it, getting it ready for IT professionals to use or financial folks. And then, of course, the scenario I think Paula used, I, I would take it a step further, because everyone can think about this while you're at home, is how many times you've been called to get, uh, especially if you live in a rainy area like Seattle, but a solar mm-hmm. panel you put on your home. And then you're going to buy a Tesla or some sort of car. There's a battery now in your home. And this phenomenon will allow you now to create power and store power at your home. And that by itself is really industrial IoT. Because now how does the power company see that with their smart meter and beyond the smart meter called like distributed energy resources? And Bala kind of alluded to this is, is that sooner or later with the mass amount of solar uh, build of, of power and storage, they can now participate in our utility grid. And these types of opportunities happen when we are digitizing our world. And it's just really fun to think about. I think that's the first time we mentioned the word fun on this show. Martin, you think? Are you taking a big security risk by saying this could be fun for companies to embrace technology with sensors and find the opportunity? I don't know. Are they allowed to have fun? Martin, are they allowed to have fun? Talk to me. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you have to. If you don't, you might as well give up. It's got to be fun. It's got to feel good to do these kind of things. That is a new concept here. You know, we're talking about such serious stuff, <laughs> risk and opportunity and security and threats and, and uh, life-changing and life-threatening issues here, and you introduced fun. I'm glad you did because there is there should be an excitement when we're talking about opportunities, when we're talking about innovation, when we're talking about companies taking the blinders off of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and we've always done it this way, and why do we have to change? And you move into that big, bold world out there of, of I was going to say censorship, I'm, the world of sensor data and opening the windows to see what's behind the door of dark data. And there can be some fun and excitement. And I think that's a lot of what millennials are going to be drawn to in these industries. Don't you think, Martin, when millennials are applying for jobs in some of these state and traditional industries, they're going to say, where's the fun part? What are we discovering? Am I on the right track there, Martin? Oh, oh, I think so. Think about a millennial that doesn't own their own drone. And now think about that (laughs) drone that can participate in this industrial inspection of uh, power lines or pipelines. And I just left a conference where they're taking the video, uh, putting it on a map, and then operational data being mixed together. And and so that's the opportunity, these fun technologies that, I mean, who doesn't want to fly a drone? Except if, I guess, you're the FAA. 
there's some problems. <laughs> oh, you're near an airport. Yes, that's our problem here on Long Island. I didn't know every millennial owns a drone. I'm going to have to check with my kids and see. They haven't told me that's what they wanted for Hanukkah this year. I'm going to have to talk to them. Oh, they can afford their own drones. It's okay. Thank you for that eye-opening comment there. Balaram, before we get to our predictions round, our crystal ball coming up in about four minutes from right now, I want to touch on a very interesting list you shared with me before the show. You said there are five top technology trends, that's top five tech trends, top five TT, positively impacting digital transformation. You mentioned hyperconnectivity, supercomputing, cloud computing, smarter world, and cybersecurity. Do you want to just dive into one or two of these because we're short on time here, Bella? What what would be your favorite of the top five tech trends? Uh, well, I will uh, go with the um, um hyperconnectivity, and also I'll talk about um, the smarter world. So we, we touched upon the cybersecurity. There's, no, uh, uh, there's no need to emphasize that one. Definitely is important. So if you look at hyperconnectivity, so we were in the connector. We are all the connected world today. So when you talk about the connectivity with um, um, connecting the content, um, which started almost like you know, 20, 25 years ago when you started that browser, uh, giving the content to the user, and then afterwards, connecting to people with social media, and now it's connecting the things, the devices. Now, with the hyper-connectivity so, uh, with, uh, with our cell phones and mobile devices and uh, industry devices, sensors, along with the content, along with the people, now this is what is the backbone of the next set of innovation coming in. Now every device is connected. Every people is connected. All the content is available to you. So what's the next set of innovation that we can leverage? And we need a, a good platform, a low cost for platform with, with low TCO, which is going to scale, support the various different business scenarios for the companies, and finally to the, the deliver the business value. That's where the uh, cloud computing comes, comes into place. And to, to be in a smarter world, it needs to be predictive. It needs to, it needs to give some kind of a futuristic view how uh, the sales forecasting is going to come in, how the future demand for my energy for, for, for the utilities based on the different segment is going to be, how am I going to plan those things to meet the energy demand, by, by, by what resources. So the companies become really smarter uh, by analyzing this data and make a you know, real good business decision in a shorter time, and that's what is going to shape the future. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm sorry we don't have time to dive more deeply into these topics, but really good list. Thank you, Bala. Alon Cantor, I'm going to circle around the table and ask you to put on those goggles or whatever you're wearing over there and look into the crystal ball. I know you polished it off before the show. What do you see coming down the pike or down the stream or up the stream or over the horizon in the next, oh, I love 2020, but how far into the future can you see, Alon? What will be changing about the industrial internet of things and our topic was really reimagining which has the word future and opportunity i think built into the definition of reimagining innovation forward-looking so elon how far in the future can you see and what else will change dramatically or significantly at that point in time elon prediction 60 seconds go yeah so i agree with my uh, colleagues um that we will see hyper-connectivity, everything will be connected, all of the data will be sent to, to the cloud, so that, and there will be 
significantly stronger ability to analyze this, this data. And uh, so I think that most devices, most industrial uh, environments will work much better than it does today. It will be more efficient, will work better. Uh, better because we will better understand it due to uh, uh, huge uh, uh, emphasis, huge a lot of deployment of uh, deep learning and artificial uh, other machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence uh, um, capabilities. And with that, we will see, along with the hyper-connectivity and hyper-data sharing, we will also see hyper-breaches and uh, we'll see huge breaches coming from the industrial world similar to what we've seen in retail in the last couple of years. Thank you. Very appreciated. Martin Otterson at OZSoft. What do you see in the crystal ball? How far in the future can you look and tell us with clarity? What's going to be different and exciting in IIoT, Martin? Well, I, I think it's hard, uh, like anything with a crystal ball. But I think if a lot of times I think about the future being here now, just because there's things that are happening just like with the industrial side, we've been doing this for some time. It's now just getting a light shine on it. So I take three examples. Uh, your photo mat, if you remember the Kodak photo mat, the Walkman, and Atari. They're all coming back. I don't know if you have no. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Are you serious? They're all coming back because they are these key digital transformation of businesses. Do you have children today? And they're, my kids love it, and they sit together and play Minecraft. And that game looks just like an Atari game back in the 1980s. The, the pixels, the squareness, and when you have this new digitalization in, you know, interface, and now they want to play Minecraft, I just see us going back in time and doing what we've already done, but doing it better. Now they can share it across with my other daughter, sits right next to her on the couch and plays the same game, uh, but don't talk to each other, right? I see the Walkman. Look what I'm on. I'm on a mobile phone, and I get all my data there. But the Walkman was the start of it, and it's that digital transformation. It was here. We just changed it a bit and made a new business. And that, that photo mat is now a drive-up coffee shop. It's changed from getting your, your, your um, photographs uh, taken and actually turned into to film into photos to now picking up your coffee. And these, I think, are the things that are already here today. We just have to look up the clues and figure out how we transform into new opportunities. Wow, and you really shocked me with that one. There. You really shocked me with that one. I remember the Ataris, Martin. I do. <laughs> I do. I'm so sorry. Maybe I'm so happy to say, wow, that was a shocker. We could do a whole show about that. You know, the uh, French phrase, Martin, I'm not, I'm not, don't know if you remember. Well, well, you don't know my favorite phrase in French is plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. Do you know what that means, Martin Otterson? Oh. <laughs> no, I do not. Okay, the more things cha- the more things change, the more they stay the same, and I think we can extend that to make a comeback. Wow, imagine what people are think they're discovering. Ha! We already did it. Balaram, love to get your predictions. I can give you exactly 60 seconds. Go ahead, Bala. Okay, good. So, um my prediction is a lot of things are going to happen by leveraging the device data the way that they're going to perform the work in future. Whether so Maintenance work or uh, try to schedule various different jobs in the production line or, um, or airline scheduling. Any business you take, this is going to play a major part for uh, a major part in future. So I'll, I'll go back and even look at uh, reword the Mark Twain's quote. After 20 years, in, in next 20 years, 
Companies are not going to regret about the things that they have done, but things they have not they have not done by leveraging their revised data and other data to make the business decisions to transform their business. Uh, that's what they will regret if they are not done it in next one, I mean, next twenty years. So I um, I think the future is there, and we are starting the journey, and it's an exciting time. Thank you very much. We are starting the journey, and I think it's going to be a fun and exciting journey. It already is for people who really understand what's happening. Thank you so much to our three esteemed and very smart panelists, Alon Cantor at Checkpoint, Martin Otterson at OZSoft, and Balaram at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. We're just about out of time. Okay, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, and I'll be back right here on the Business Channel today, Thursday, the 30th of June, 2 p.m. Eastern, with another edition of Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. How to innovate your business and grow? Innovate is the key word. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.